So I have uh, my, the title of my talk this morning is Five Stones of Trust. And uh, I have shared it in different contexts. So for those who've been with me in those spaces, it's repeat. But I know the Lord speaks through his word. It doesn't matter how familiar we are with scriptures. He always, always speaks and always highlights often something new or something we need to hear again in our spirits. And I have a huge sense of expectation for today. Um, I believe God wants to release a passionate zeal in us, in our hearts today. A passionate zeal. You know, as much as we live in and from the shalom, shalom, peace of God, that deep place of peace, as much as we live from his goodness and love just being rooted in that, um, in that intimate place of relationship with Jesus, just drawing from the sap of his spirit inside us, sometimes we can stop in that wonderful place and actually just get stuck in a place of self-comfort, immobility, passivity, me and Jesus. And if it's not me and Jesus overflowing in passionate love for each other together, then obviously you, there's no foundation, there's no solid stability within our lives. But we also want that to overflow in our lives. We want the passionate zeal of God. And I believe, you know, it's true for all times, all decades, all centuries, but I really believe that at this time, it's a call of God to us all over again. Passionate zeal, that fire in our bellies, um, a stirring up of the Holy Spirit. We're told to fan into We must fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit within us. But today we call on Holy Spirit to bring that fanning, that stirring into our lives till those flames are not just our giftings that we're aware of, but the passionate zeal for Jesus Christ and his gospel. And um, we're going to refer to, you've probably already thought in your head, oh, five stones, David, the five stones he collected. Yes, we're going to look at David. David was a man of courage, a man of trust, dependency on God, dependency on God, and also an incredibly passionate zeal for God. You can think of many occasions where he just burst out. He just knew he had to express this zeal for God. And he knew that God wanted to display his own character through him in his life and through his life to bring him glory, to glorify himself in and through the life of David as he partnered with God. And that's very, very exciting. And there were deep layers of trust built into David's life. Deep, deep layers. Sometimes we can be missing the layers built into our lives. Sometimes we can have those deep, that deep foundation, solid foundation, but we just stuck in kind of apathy. You know, you just let the world go on and I'm okay, Jack. And um, complacency sometimes is just, yeah, it's just a place of being stuck. And uh, today I want to, I thank you for your prayer. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. 
Without you, it's a talk. Your word, we know, speaks powerfully to us, but it's the word and the spirit that bring life and transformation. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, whatever scriptures we access, whatever words are spoken, that you will deeply and divinely access the depths of each heart and inner being and set alight hearts that burn with passion for you, hearts that are transformed into deep dependency, confidence, trust in you. Today, we open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and we just welcome you into the space. Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, we pray. Amen. And so we're going to dig into 1 Samuel 17. And all the scriptures that we look at today, they are so rich. I encourage you to go home, dig in, dig in, dig in. Look at, study the context, what happens before, what happens after. Cross-reference. Look, com- look into commentaries. And then meditate and let it soak, soak, soak. Because it's not just the intellectual, I say that every time, I think, but it's into our hearts. There was an incredible man called Blaise Pascal, who in his day, I think it was 18th century, um, uh, yeah, it, I think it was, um, he was an incredible mathematician and, he, and also physics. He knew so much about all those things. And he had an incredible mind and he said, The heart has its reasons that reason can never know. It's with the heart that we perceive truth. I mean, his reason was like, compared to many of us, for sure. But he knew God, and he said the heart has its reasons that this reason cannot ever touch. And so I ask you to open not just this reason, but this, the heart. So 1 Samuel 17 tells us the story of David. And it's not just a story, as we know, it's actually an account. David, who faced the bear, he faced the lion. There were experiences with God that he had where God was building this trust, this deep trust into his life, so that by the time it came for him to confront Goliath on those hills at night where he'd worshipped God, where he'd praised him from his heart, where he'd learnt that God could be relied on from, for strength and for help in every situation, that trust had developed to the point where he could face the great enemy of Israel, the Philistines embodied in that huge, giant Goliath. Everybody in Israel was like so petrified, so scared. But David, he didn't back down. In fact, his brothers mocked him. They despised him. People are like, what? Come on. Oh, please, like you. He wasn't at all put off. He did not back down. All were afraid, not David. His faith, his trust went very deep. Not only here, not even over here, but his whole, he knew in his muscles, he knew in his hands, he knew in his body and soul that God was going to be with him. And he knew how to hear God's voice. So he was offered armor. You know, Saul had a very good plan. He could take his armor. Um, Very good, different ideas of what could be done. But particularly that must have been very, I mean, Saul was the king. That advice must have, would have probably with most people gone quite far. 
he knew how to hear God's voice and God's strategy. Without that, this wouldn't have worked. But he knew God's ways, he knew God's voice, and he embraced God's strategy, not man's. So there he goes. Verse 40 of that chapter says, he chose five stones. I've just got little five stones here. He chose five stones from the stream, put them in his pouch, and took his sling in his hand. And you'll know from everything he said that he proclaimed right from the start, the battle is the Lord's. The victory is the Lord's. But David partnered with God. He just didn't wait for God. Okay, kill him. (laughs) Kill him. I'm watching God. No, he was the one who had to collect the stones. He was the one who had to get his sling. He was the one who had to put his hand into that pouch and take that stone and put it into the sling and and hit him. And um, it's just amazing how he partnered with God in this utter trust, confidence, courage in his God. And then there's a verse I thought to just highlight for us today because it speaks to me. It's a little bit further back from verse 40, verse 32. And he says to everybody, he just talks to his, his nation, people around him, and he says, let no one, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. We look him down. We, we confront him in the power of God. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant himself will go and fight him. In the power of the Lord, he was able to do that. And I want you just quickly in a moment to think about a situation that is your giant. Something just impossible. Your giant, your impossibility. And say, in the words of David, let me not lose heart. Hear those words for you. Do not lose heart today. Because when God is with you and you know his strategy and you know his ways and you partner with him, by the power of his Holy Spirit, you will see those giants fall. David said, I love this. I'm going to read it out over us and let's personalize it. Apply it to your life and think of your situations, big or small. Sometimes small things can be very big things for us. I know that. Listen to this verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He is our Lord Almighty today. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you, Goliath, into my hands. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you Philistines, all of you Philistines, all of you enemies, into our hands. I love the way that David is not doing this for himself. It's not only his victory. It's, first of all, God's victory. And then he's doing it for his community, his nation, his people. There's a beautiful sense that our victories are shared. We share each other's victories. We share each other's victories. Sometimes believer, uh, unbelievers share our victories. I was just really, really um, 
and filled with zeal for a moment in a business meeting where I stuck my neck out for God and I said, yes, the economy is rotten, it is really bad, but God, we are praying and you're going to see God will make a difference. Guys, it's true for whatever situation we face, whatever situation. So just take it to yourself today as we explore this. We're going to look at the five stones as symbols Symbols of a process of trust. Trust, this process of trust that the Lord uses if we're prepared to embrace them and pick them up and put them into the pouch of our heart. So this isn't exactly a heart, but it's abiding in Jesus. And we're going to put, as we explore each symbolic stone, we're going to put it into the pouch which represents our heart. And he is building deeper and deeper and deeper levels of trust in our life. And we're just going to look at a few aspects of that. But we need to carry that in our hearts today. I think that's very precious um, to be able to do that and to allow him to, uh, to go with the Lord on this process of deepening trust and faith in him so that we can be prepared to fulfill all the purposes that he has for our personal lives because he wants us to live in fullness of life, thriving, abundance, but also so that he can fulfill his purposes in us, letting that overflow into business, into family, into community, whatever it is or whatever sphere of influence you have to bring his kingdom. I believe he wants that for every single one of us. And when we allow him to build into our lives, we're saying, here we go. I want to go. Let us be David's in our time. Let us. That is the cry of my heart. And if you can echo that, just echo that with me in your own heart. Let us be David's in our time where we can influence whatever whatever space we're in. Influence that. Bring the kingdom. Let it overflow with the zeal of the Lord in our lives. So the first stone, stone of thanksgiving and praise. And um. Yes, November is Praise Month, but I want to suggest to you that every day is a day of thanksgiving. It is an absolute building block. It's a stone to equip us um, for victory, for joy, for peace, for love. That stone of thanksgiving and praise is absolutely crucial, not only when things are rosy, otherwise it's just because actually everything's great, but because... It is such a powerful spiritual place to live, to be able to to give thanks. And um, I think it's also very much about asking Holy Spirit to open our inner eyes so that we can see all the amazing blessings that he gives us every day, even in difficult times, that our hearts can sing and thank him no matter what the season. Opening our hearts to see, to perceive, oh, Yes, actually, that was amazing. It was an amazing worship song I heard while driving. Um, That blessed me. Thank you, Lord. Whatever it is, however big or small. Um, I want to just read some of the Psalms of David. Such a big stone in his pouch. Thanksgiving in his heart to the Lord. It goes like this, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. Wholehearted. I will tell of all all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. 
I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Thanks prepares the heart for deep trust and confidence in the faithfulness, love, and goodness of God. There is a psalm, Psalm 3, which actually was written while David was being pursued by Absalom, his son, who was out to get him. I mean, he was being pursued by Saul. He was being pursued by countless people. He'd been anointed, but he was being pursued. It must have broken his heart. Imagine your son is out to get you and, like, kill you. Hectic. And in it all, he's like, you, God, are a shield around me. You're my glory, the one who lifts my head high in the middle of that. Um, He always tells the Lord how absolutely dreadful his situation is. He never kind of hides his emotion. And then he's like, but God, you're the one who lifts me. You're the one who encourages me. I love the the little verse in 1 Samuel um, 3 where it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes we receive encouragement from others, sometimes not. But whatever happens, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord because he's always there to encourage us, to lift us up, no matter how dark the situation seems. And then one to remember, in all times and, and in all seasons, Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord, David says, is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I praise him. Dig further into the Psalms. I want to encourage you to do that. They are hugely encouraging and they actually build us up and through encouraging us to praise no, how, no matter how deep that pit that we want to complain about and cry about, um, he always lands in the goodness and the praise of God. And that's where God wants us to live from. I believe that with all my heart. The second stone. Okay, let's pop you in. The second stone. Ah, it looks vaguely like a heart, maybe. <laughs> a little bit if you've got imagination. Um, peace and love. And the two are connected. You know, you can't have peace and lean back and relax if you don't trust this person. You know how often people say, I never forget, Helmut and I were on the Zambezi, and this very good friend said to this girl, trust me, get into the boat, I'll take you down the white water, and you'll be absolutely fine. Well, needless to say, the boat keeled over. She was not at all fine. (laughs) She came out like a drowned rat crying. So... However much people have good intentions or love you, you know, sometimes you actually just can't rely on them. And as much as he wanted her to just relax, it had a bad ending. God's love is perfect. Perfect. Unconditional. Never lets you down. He never breaks his promises. He's always there. He doesn't have to quickly go off and do something else. And, well, if you might slip in between. He's always with you. He is absolutely 100% faithful and reliable. And therefore, because he is like that and he loves you without any shadow of ever changing, he's not in a bad mood and today he's not so keen on you because you weren't good yesterday. He loves you always unconditionally. You really can, because of his love and goodness, trust him. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to lean into. We really can trust him without reservation.
and the peace that then comes into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits by the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the peace. That is not just a natural peace, an absence of anything that makes us anxious. Because I must say, I find that there always ends up being something that you can worry about, right? If you're not worried about one thing, it's another. Some are bigger and some are smaller, but there's always worrying that can be done. It's not like that. It is God's supernatural peace that is levels above this thing, our understanding. And it resides in our heart, and we can always, always land there. Um, 1 John tells us, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that beautiful? We can trust him. We can let go of fear, and we can have that peace in our hearts because of his love. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything. Excuse me. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, and here it is, that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful assurance of the Spirit of God guarding that peace that we have embraced. We embrace it as a building block in all seasons of our lives. And the Spirit guards it, probably pulls the zip, seals it. Thirdly, here's another stone, confidence. And I love Isaiah 30. I believe that it is a key verse for us today, this particular verse. It says, verse 15 in Isaiah 30, In quietness and confidence will be your strength. And confidence in this verse is, um, the Hebrew word for confidence in this verse means calm, relaxed, free from anxiety. It's that kind of confidence. It's not just quietness, shh, 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 close your mouth. It is confidence that is calm, being relaxed, being free from all anxiety. And I'm going to give you different translations. This next one says, this is what the Lord says. In returning to me, the Lord, and in rest there, you shall be saved in quietness and confident trust is your strength. I love that. I think it's beautiful. You do notice that the beginning of the verse, this is the context. In returning to me, the Lord, and rest in me, You'll be saved. And then in that place, in quietness and confident trust, you will find strength. Because if you, the context of the chapter is that, in fact, Israel has turned away from God and they've embraced the strategies of man for their plans and for their help. So they made a political alliance with Egypt because um, Egypt was going to protect them. And the Lord's like, uh-uh. But they followed the ways and the strategies of man and thought, this is a good political alliance. It will help us. And then they said, we've got strong horses, God. I mean, it's fine. We've got these strong horses. We can do this. We can fight. We can flee. We're okay. And God's, no. Return to me and embrace 
my ways, my strategies. And I just think that's a beautiful reminder again, <clears throat> excuse me, that we can try the strategies of man. It might work, but that's not God's way for us to gain victory. And um, I love this free translation. Listen to it. Your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourselves. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me. I love it. Settling down in complete dependence on me. It finishes by saying, that was the very thing you've been reluctant and unwilling to do. And so let's challenge our hearts. You know, it's sometimes, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this health trip. I'm going to do this therapy. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that, 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 that. And, oh, the business will do this, will do that. All good, all helpful tools. But actually... There was actually a Muslim physician who said this. He said, the cure is ultimately with the Almighty. And I don't actually ever agree with Muslims. But in this case, I have to say, 100%, the cure, always, the strategy for whatever situation we are in, economy, health, relationships, it doesn't matter what it is, it's the strategy of God that will win the victories. And we need to heed that call to depend completely on him. What strategy are you showing me? Further down in Isaiah 30, there's verse 21, and it says, I find this so reassuring. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is what you should be choosing to do. This is what you should be using. This is the one you should speak to or look to. God's strategies, he will tell us. He won't just set us off and say, okay, I, yeah, maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Off you go. He's like, I will help you. When you're going there or when you're going there, I will be that voice. I will guide you. I will help you. I will show you. I will direct you and redirect you into the right ways as you listen to my voice. Don't you find that reassuring? Because sometimes we make mistakes, right? We're human and we think, oh, this is, and then we're like, oh, no, I'm not sure. He will help us to travel down the right path in the right direction because that's his father heart. If you see your kid running down the wrong route or going the wrong way, you'll go and say, come on, sweetheart, and take them and redirect them. He is the best of all fathers, and he will certainly do that. We can rest in that assurance as long as our hearts are willing to hear his voice and embrace his strategies. Let's remember our victories cannot be won in our own strength or our own strategies or the ways of the world. It's always by his power. 2 Corinthians 10, well-known scripture. I'll just remind you, reading it through again. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. His ways are not the ways of the world. 
the war we wage is a spiritual war, and we can only win victories as we embrace God's supernatural power through his spirit and his word and through the strategies he gives us. Okay, then we come to the fourth stone, which is pop this one, eh? courage. It's based on confidence, because if you don't have confidence in God, you're not going to have courage, really. Let's read Joshua 1, 9, well-known verse, quoted a lot. Remember the words spoken by the Lord to Joshua when he was about to cross the Jordan into the promised land? Have I not commanded you? Not like, okay, Joshua, just try to be a little bit brave, boy. You know, it's going to be okay. I have commanded you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in our crazy world, this world of chaos sometimes, the enemy would always, whatever our situations, whatever we're involved in, he would always like to shrink us. Obviously, he doesn't want us to live with the zeal of the Lord burning in our hearts. He wants to shrink us. He wants to diminish our influence. He wants to mute our voices. Who's ever felt discouraged, shrunk? Who's ever felt like that? Is it like only me in this world? <laughs> okay. He wants to do that. But we can apply these words spoken over Joshua also to our lives with the same courage spoken out over Joshua and say, Lord, I receive that. I take that today for me, for me. I will not be shrunk. I will laughed one day. I was feeling so terrible and having such a bad day and I just got up. Kirsty laughed and I said, I've got my pouch. I've got my stones. I will not shrink back. And we had a little laugh because it was such a childish thing to do. But sometimes we need to be simple and just cast aside all the complicated thoughts and reasons why not, why, and just say, God, I'm going for it. You know my heart. God, it's by your power only. And um, I want you to think just briefly in which situations and circumstances in your life have you backed off, been discouraged, rejected, become stuck or intimidated, by obstacles, by overwhelming opposition. Just think for a moment. <sighs> Holy Spirit, we release our fears, our anxieties, all our discouragement even too much reliance on the opinions of people who just might not even like us. We just release all those things, the overwhelming giants that, and mountains that sometimes to be, seem to be in front of us. Just release that to you. And we receive your courage, your strength. We go forward, we rise up and move on by your power, Holy Spirit, in your name. We partner with you in the exciting adventure of bringing 
your kingdom fully into our lives and into the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. The last stone, the fifth one, is crossing the Jordan. And, of course, the metaphor that is usually used is salvation, because salvation is a crossing the Jordan. We come out of Egypt, the slavery of sin, and because Jesus died on the cross for us, he has saved us, he has redeemed us, he has delivered us, he has healed us, and he takes us across the Jordan, so to speak, into the land of the fulfillment of the inheritance of the sons and daughters. That is what salvation is. But often, if you think about it, we live as if we are still on the other side in the wilderness. We live in a maze of confusion or doubt. We live under burdens where we just circle round and round of busyness, of stress, so many things that just keep us in a place where we're not moving forward and we're not living fully in what Jesus paid to give us. And so I believe that the crossing of the Jordan for us today, what God wants to encourage us in, is a space of spiritual crossing. Spiritual crossing. Moving forward with trust and faith and the zeal of the passion for God in our hearts, knowing that he is taking us on. It's more important what we saved into than what we saved out of, that's for sure. And um, let's just briefly recap on the story of Joshua. You know what happened. Um, the people had to follow, were told, at the, just before they crossed the Jordan, they were told, God told Joshua, and of course through Joshua, all the people, that they were going to cross the Jordan, but the Ark of the Covenant, in other words, the presence of God was to go ahead. And that's what we kept saying, we want the strategies of God, we want the ways of God, we want the guidance of His Spirit to lead us into all the activities, decisions, areas of our life. We don't just want to embrace man's ideas or strategies of the world, we want Him to guide us, to lead us, to be present with us, to redirect, to tweak our thinking. We want his presence and the guidance of his spirit. So there they are. Just picture it. The Ark of the Covenant goes ahead. And at the Jordan, as the priests go in with the Ark, they're in the middle of the Jordan. They, the God tells them to stand in the middle of the river. And you know what happened. It was like the Red Sea parting all over again. The river stops flowing, just dams up. It stops flowing completely. So they stand, there's dry land where the river was flowing. And now the people can cross the river on dry land while the priests stand in the middle. God's strategy, a miracle. And God told Joshua in that at that time, to choose 12 men representing the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And each of these 12 men had to take a stone from the middle of the Jordan, the dry land from the middle of the Jordan, and take it over to the other side 
and then pile up those stones so that it forms a memorial, a milestone for what God has done and what he's taking them into. And I always think a milestone is a place where you look back and you say, God, look at what you've done. And you look forward and say, look where we're going. Because you're not camping out at a milestone. You, you're going somewhere. Look where you're taking us. I want to cross. Today, I believe God is saying, just embrace an, a new spiritual crossing. Say, I want to live in the fullness, in the victories, in the kingdom that you have called me to. And I want to be an active partner with you, God. I want to have that zeal in my heart to live out the fullness of what you've called me to. And um, it's beautiful. In fact, there's a preach that Bill Johnson gave recently, not sure exactly when, where he says, the value, do not forget the value of remembering what God has done. Because it gives you confidence to know that he's got more and more and more for you. And today, Holy Spirit, just impact that on each of our hearts, that you've got more for us. You've got more for us, and you want to take us on. We remember, we remember, we remember what you have done. We're thankful, we bless you for it, but we want more. We want more. We want more fire in our bellies. We want more perspective. We want more adventures with you. We want to do exploits for you. Take us on, Lord. The scripture that I'm going to read now, the two scriptures. The first one is Corinthians 6, verse 14. Because Jesus, our champion, has secured the victory, we can rest in him knowing that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also at work in us. And then one that actually has been spoken in this community numerous times, arise, the time to arise. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory is over and on you. And so, if you can relate to that idea that we still sometimes live in the captivity of fear, intimidation, and doubt, prisons of stress, shackles of busyness, mazes and strategies of the world that are not leading us anywhere, let's live in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. We're a chosen people, 1 Peter 2, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're not victims. We're not somehow in the captivity that the enemy might want to put us into or the restriction that he's laying on us. We are free. We are a holy nation. We're royal priests. We're God's special possession so that we may declare the praises of whom he called us. He's called us out of the darkness into his wonderful light.